Um, so I don't know what your week has been like, but if you've managed to uh, turn on the telly or listen to any news at all, you will have seen uh, lots of things happening in Afghanistan. And as believers, we have this incredible privilege of uh, once we become a follower of Jesus, we become part of his family. And, and that is global. That's across the world. And so one of the things that we felt really called to do this morning is to just look at specific things where um, situations that really need uh, some prayer and intercession. So what we're going to do in a moment is we're just going to watch a video. Um, I was introduced to a lovely guy called Mike Morris um, and he is part of our church family. And he's done some work with Open Doors, and that's a charity that helps persecuted Christians across the globe. Um, and so we had a lovely conversation because I I heard all this stuff um, on the news on, on Sunday last week. And I don't know if you were like me, but I was like, oh, Jesus, I just I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to be helpful. What can I do here when it's all happening over there? Um, but there is hope and we can actually do lots of things. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. So we're going to have a little look at that video. And then after that, we're also uh, going to hear a beautiful testimony of something that we just heard through this morning through our church family. Um, and then we're going to have some time to pray. <laughs> We're going to give you some opportunity and some space to stop and to listen to Jesus. I don't know about you, but my life uh, is busy and loud a lot of the time. And I'm trying to find spaces to carve out that are just for me and Jesus. And so we're going to give you some space to do that. So you might want to grab a piece of paper or a pen or something that you can write down, some things that he might be speaking to you about. So first off, we're going to have a little look at this video of the conversation that I had with Mike Morris. Thank you so much, Mike, for joining me. It's lovely to have you with us. Um, could you just explain for people who might not have met you before who you are and how long you've been at Vine Life? I've been about uh, three, maybe four years at Vine Life uh, after returning to Manchester. I'm originally from Manchester and left to go to university in those years and only just came back. But in the meantime, lived a lot outside the UK, 20 odd years in France, many years in Africa and the Middle East, in different countries uh, for work and, uh, of course, and everything. So, um, yeah, it's been quite a, quite a journey back home again. Here I am in central Manchester in a converted cotton mill in the centre of Cottonopolis. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah, I mean, it does look great right there. Just yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's lovely to have you back. And thank you so much for jumping on this, because I think um, one of the things we have just seen through the news this week is just how it's escalated in Afghanistan. And so mm. um, I, I'd love to hear more from you in terms of your experience there, but also um, just for people that may not really know what's going on in that area and what, what's been happening and why it's escalated. If, if you, you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about Afghanistan. And yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's over 40 years since I was in Afghanistan and I used to live next door in Iran for, for a period of time and go over there uh, from there. Afghanistan is a very strange location. It's almost in the middle of nowhere. It's surrounded by huge other countries, uh, Iran, uh, Russia, China, India, Pakistan, uh, and probably about, it's surrounded by probably about two thirds of the world's population. And yet uh, it's still very, um, let's call it primitive country in many ways. When I was first there, I got this strange impression that if you walked to the end of the street, you'd fall off the edge of the world. It had that feeling of remoteness. 
and the, the 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 military who were around, they were all youngsters, and they were carrying big guns, and they had bayonets about four feet long, and they slouched around in big boots, and you felt, wow, this is like the end of the world. And it's been like that for two thousand years or more remote and even alexander the great had problems going through there and since then it's been they've been referred to as the graveyard of nation of, of empires why is that it's highly diversified from a tribal point of view uh religious point of view shia and sunni muslims and what impressed me as i was traveling around the country was the way that people would live in the country areas in towers the 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 buildings were about five stories high and only the size of, of two or three rooms on the ground, footprint, but four, five, four or five, six stories high. The bottom two stories had no windows. All there was was a ladder going up to the third story. So each home for each family, even within a village, was a fortress. Wow. So there were tribal uh, threats and there were also interfamilial vendettas and so on. So it's a very warlike country. It's been a very warlike country for a long, long time. And the only thing that ever unites them is a foreign invader. As soon as the foreign invasion, then they all lock together. But when the foreign invasion goes, then it all falls apart. And so uh, in, the, in the early 80s, the Russians invaded. Even the Russians couldn't control. Before that, the British, the Empire had come around over there. And then it was followed, of course, by, by 9-11, um, by, by which time uh, the Taliban took over, the Mujahideen, who'd got rid of the Russians, they took over from them. Then there's the US and the UK involvement. And since then, it's been 20 years, as, as we know, coming up to the anniversary. So that's kind of the, of, of the background. And some of the scenes that we've seen on the media um, obviously have been quite shocking this week, uh, and especially for some people who haven't been following the journey of the country. Yeah. Um, and what's kind of impacted you from what you've seen? It's very strange that Afghanistan is, is, is almost totally Muslim country to the extent that Open Doors, who keeps a check on all of the Christian persecution throughout the world, has a list of 50 countries where it's dangerous to be a Christian. Afghanistan is number two on that list. Not South, North Korea is number one. Therefore, Afghanistan is number one on the list of dangerous to be Christian countries in the Islamic world. And yet, you now have an invasion of the Taliban, which all the Muslims in the country are even more afraid of because they are even more fundamentalist. So it, it's a very strange irony that yeah. this has come about in this way. But to the scenes at the airport, well, there, there, I think a lot of the fear comes from within the people who've been at work with the government, with the that's just left, and has worked with Westerners because they are listed, the Taliban knows their names, they're looking out for them. And the challenge is that if you get to the airport with your documents and get on an get to the border, the, the controls there, you can have a chance of getting on the airplane. The only problem is as soon as the, the Taliban see you've got the proof that you need to get through the Americans and the UK services, 
the Taliban have got you, there's the proof. Or you show it with no documents, and then you can't get through into the airport. That's the dilemma. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's been horrific. And obviously one of the things we, we want to talk about is how we pray. Um, but mm. before we just get to that, um, can you just talk a little bit about what it's like to be a Christian there? Obviously, I know you've done a lot of stuff with open doors and that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. what's it going to be like for the Christians that are in the country at the moment? For them, you it, it, it's you have to keep your faith totally secret, even from members of your family, because they can come under such pressure that if they know that you are a Christian that they're afraid that other people will find out. And even to them personally, there is a feature of Islam that it's, it's, it's a mortal sin to convert from Islam to Christianity or another religion. And you are therefore become a, a danger and a threat to anybody else who does not um, turn you in. Um, and so that's why there are so few Christians left in Afghanistan. Either they've been, you know, um, killed by Taliban or other similar, or they left. There's one Jew left. He won't leave. <laughs> but it's that. But it, so how to be a Christian is in with great care and great secrecy. Don't ever let anybody find you have a text or a Bible. Don't let anybody ever notice that you're not observing all the Islamic rules and regulations and holidays. Those are the particular dangerous times. So it's highly secretive. And yet somehow, how does anybody get to be a Christian in, in a country like that? And so there are many stories of Jesus just appearing sovereignly to people. And it's not the only country, but in other countries in the Middle East, uh, the story is a, a man in white I know of even people who who will go take taxi rides nearly every day and they want to know from the taxi driver, have you seen, have you had a dream where there's a man in white? Often they'll say, oh, yes, oh, yes. Who is it? They'll tell them it's Jesus and so on. That's how people get to be Christians. It's the only way to be reached is Jesus goes in there directly. And then yeah. they'll, get, they'll get a verse here and a verse there. And, and somehow it, it, it's the Holy Spirit. Even even in even in the Soviet Russia before the Holy Spirit organizes things, yeah. and people will meet. And they just get a feeling from the Holy Spirit. I know I'll go and have a coffee in such and such a place, and somebody will sit next to me, and they will be a Christian, and it happens. That is how God works in these places. Yeah, it's beautiful, and it's the kind of stuff that you read in the Gospels, isn't it? In Acts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. um, so. Would you mind just giving us a, a, a bit of kind of your heads up in terms of how we can pray? Because I think a lot of us from the West who haven't had maybe as much close experience um, mm. feel a little bit lost in how we can pray and yeah. what are the things to do. Yeah, yeah. It's very hard to distinguish, I think, from having the kind of prayer, oh, the poor children, the poor people, uh, let it stop. Let it be okay. Stop me from hurting for them. And it's very hard to know how actually to pray. And I think, as we were saying earlier, as in, all, as in so many of these situations in our, in, our domestic, in our home lives and in any other kind, of, is to just to hear what God is saying and do what we see him doing. 
and that is purely personal with ourselves and God, um, that we take time out just to listen and to, and to just try to quieten our hearts and to hear what he's saying and pray his prayers. So what came to me on my part was that Christians should not be denounced by Muslims to government authorities just in order to save themselves, because it's, it's not totally unlikely that some Christians will be known to other Muslims, friends, neighbors, family, and they keep quiet. But these days, that they not be denounced because they will be eliminated. And also that Christians themselves, with the courage only from that they can receive from the Holy Spirit, should not denounce other Muslims to the Taliban who they know have worked with the government. I think these are the hard on the ground decisions that are taxing, uh, you know, people with the hearts. And Muslims have a very spirit, they're very aware, spiritually aware, more in many ways than we are. And I think these are the kind of challenges that will be going on, an absolute ground level, which we'll never, ever hear about. But my thought is to pray into that, uh, into that. Now, everybody else that sees this and everybody else is listening to all that's going on there will have their own prayers that they want to pray. And I think that is in where there's so many conflicting emotions and so many conflicting news items that we really need to quieten our hearts and just listen perhaps. Yeah, and I, I love that call to that, Mike, because that means that we actually do have a personal connection with Jesus. Yeah. We are connecting with him, we're asking of him. It's not just a prayer that's been written down years ago, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. What are you saying now? Yeah. And how can we partner with you? In this yeah, yeah. Right? Um, so I think that's really beautiful. And I, and I feel as well, that's the life, isn't it, that we have as Christians, is we have this beautiful connection. Yeah, right. So we can't be there. We wouldn't want to be there. But in another sense, we are, because God knows all of what's going on. He knows us personally, what our reactions, what our thoughts are. And he has a, an all part of what he wants to achieve in, in, his, in his plan uh, for, for, for the world, for the fulfillment of what Jesus did for us. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. So again, um, after this, I'll invite people to join me in prayer. But um, before we kind of finish our chat, um, Mike, I just wanted to talk. I mean, we've already started talking about it in, the, in terms of, but what is the hope? And yeah. I think it's beautiful to hear that story about Jesus just turning up where there's nobody else to, to talk about him. He is there. Mm. Um, but yeah, what is the hope for Afghanistan? Or what is the hope that uh, we have as Christians? In this? You know what? I think that in Afghanistan and also in the, in the Muslim world, that example is now going to be given. What does it really, really mean for Sharia law to be exercised? What does it really mean? Um, and we don't know what the Taliban will actually do yet. They're not a homogeneous organization and they won't behave equally the same and everything else. But what they have said, Sharia law will apply. How is it going to be applied? It depends on the judge at the moment in time that they make a judgment. So, you know, it, it does allow for uh, hands to be cut off, for feet to be cut off, for women to be stoned. It does allow for that, for beheadings and everything else. They've done that before. Um, now, we can pray they don't do it again. Um, the hope is, I think, that throughout the world, 
the world will see is not just Islamic State, where they did stuff like that before. They were terrorists and they were rogue and they were weird people. This now is going to be a state government, potentially. A country with, with full Sharia law in a way that not even Saudi Arabia exercises Sharia law. Saudi Arabia is number 14 on the open doors list. So this is so I, I wonder uh, to myself, is this a way that God will now demonstrate what Sharia law really means to normal moderate Muslims and begin to them begin to wonder what is all this anyway? And begin ask begin them, for them to begin to wonder where is the love, where is the love, and to turn to the God of love rather than the distortion. And so I think from our own personal point of view, we need to be really kind of careful how we interface with with Muslims. The problem is not Muslims at all. The problem is Islam, and it's very hard for us to to for us to make that difference. But we got to look at the people that they were all died for. God, Jesus died for them as much as He died for us, and that I think is to bear. So the hope the hope is in Him. Yeah. He is our only hope. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's really important, isn't it, to hold is that actually yeah. Yeah. um you know Jesus loves us all. And that yeah. is the kind of shocking truth of the gospel. Um and actually how we pray for those people, and especially some of the the guys in in the Taliban at this time. Absolutely. Um, and how do we pray um in terms of hearing Jesus for them and you know that kind of stuff. So yeah, and thank you so much for sharing your heart on it. And um, is there anything else you wanted to add before we finish? Just one thought comes to mind. The Taliban has said before, you've got the watches, we've got the time. They are the time to wait and wait and wait. However, I think there must be amongst those individuals with the Kalashnikovs and the beers and everything, there must be youngs and other people wonder, what is all this anyway? What is really going on here? Now we've got it. Now we've got it. But now what are we going to do? And that, again, their hearts will be softened and that Jesus will appear to them and that there will be conversions to, 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 to Christianity amongst the Taliban. That's the big audacious prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is the hope, isn't it, that we can see God break through in those moments where yeah, yeah. with a bit of a reality check of what they're yeah. really doing, what's really right. Doing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mike. It's been Bless you. thank you for asking me. It's been lovely to chat with you and yeah. uh, thank you everyone for listening. It's been great. Thank you so much, Mike, for sharing and chatting with me earlier this week. And I think um, he he spoke brilliantly, really, about what we can actually do. And so what we are going to do in a moment is I'm just going to share some scriptures and another testimony. And then we're going to have some time to pray into this um, and to pray for things. And I think one of the things that has come out from me listening to Mike was just that there is such a hope. There is such a hope in Jesus, like he is our hope. And as we pray, we are looking and speaking to him and he's alive. Um, and I just really wanted to encourage you a couple of scriptures. Um, there's a, a lovely one from John 16, where Jesus is actually talking to his disciples and he's explaining stuff. You know, it's the summer holidays and um, we're doing loads of stuff with our kids. And, you know, every day looks a bit different. And so, you know, I sit down with the girls and I try and say, OK, so 
say in the next couple of days we're doing this, this and this and this is what's happening. And then I try to talk to them. How do you feel about that? Are you feeling anxious? Can we help? You know, all of this kind of stuff. And and this is what I see Jesus doing with his disciples. He's explaining what is about to happen. Um, and this is before he goes to the cross and he's, he's giving them a heads up. He's saying, hey, look, I'm going to go and there's going to be some tricky things, but hey, guess what? I'm with you. And he says these powerful things. He says in verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, I have overcome the world. And I love that he says that and he's he's talking to us specifically saying, have peace peace. And so we're going to pray that we receive peace and that people in Afghanistan receive his peace and Christians across the world who are being persecuted receive his peace. The other scripture that I had that I wanted to share, um, this was um, given to me actually by uh, the lovely Ruth Hill a couple of uh, months ago, and it's been ringing around in my head. And it's been something that I've gone to that kind of gives me hope as I'm going through difficult things. And I just wanted to share it this morning because there may be some of you guys that are just going through things that you are finding extremely difficult. And this could be something that you can kind of pray over and over your situation and over you. And it says this, it's it's. Psalm 48, 5 to 7, and it's from the, um, the Passion Translation, and it says this. How enriched are they who find their strength in the Lord? Within their hearts are highways of holiness, even when their paths wind through the dark valley of tears. They dig deep to find a pleasant pool where others only find pain. He gives them a brook of blessing filled from the rain of an outpouring. They grow stronger and stronger with every step forward. And the God of all gods will appear before them in Zion. It's this beautiful promise to us that as we go through difficult things, that actually we are not alone and that actually there's a beautiful place of blessing that we can still find even in these situations. You know, Mike alluded to it, didn't he, that Jesus turns up. I love some of the stories from Corrie ten Boom of like where she was in a, a concentration camp and um, she was covered by an angel so that her Bible didn't get stolen. I mean, this, in these moments of extreme difficulty, we can trust that Jesus can be found. And as we've been thinking about this this morning, um, the lovely Susie Oldfield from our community and family um, shared a message on, uh, we have some kind of weekly groups and we jumped on a city group uh, during lockdown and she shared um, that we were, she just asked us to pray for her friend Anna and Owen who had adopted a little boy um, but unfortunately he was really ill um, and there was a number of complications and so we've been praying for this little boy and uh, Susie sent us a message this morning um, just to let us know that he's actually died. And you can imagine the pain and the sadness of that and how difficult that was. Um, but Susie then, after she shared that, she shared this other thing, which was just, um, it just really broke me, to be fair. Um, uh, but it was just that um, the mum, Anna, felt the Holy Spirit say to her a couple of days before, um, I want you to tell him what I look like. And so Anna wrote, um, just in the kind of style of, of a Gruffalo poem about what Jesus would look like so that this little boy would know what to expect when he meets Jesus. 
And so I just wanted to read that poem to you because it was so powerful. And it reminded me again this morning of that we are living here now, but we also have an eternal perspective. And that there will be one day where we get to meet Jesus face to face. And that is also the hope that we carry. And so I just wanted to share this poem with you just before we go into a time of uh, praying and just giving space for Jesus to speak to us. This is the Jesus that Roman met. He has powerful words. He is the Lord of Lords. And out of his mouth comes a double-edged sword. His robe is long, flowing down to the ground. And his voice makes a mighty rushing water sound. His hair is white, whiter than snow. And his eyes burn with love like a flyer aglow. His face shines brilliant, bright like the sun. And he's smiling at you saying, come, let's have fun. He is alive and he is with us. And so we're just going to spend some time just to welcome him and to allow him to speak to us. And so I'm just going to offer some space now. Wherever you are, why don't you just maybe put, put your phone down or... Maybe sit down or however you want to just spend some time with Jesus, just listening to his voice. What is he saying? Where are the pleasant pools where others only find pain? And so what we're going to do, the guys are just going to play and we're just going to have a little bit of quiet. And you might want to write things down that you feel that the Spirit is speaking to you. You might want to just keep those personally for you or you might want to just write them in the chat so that um, you can share those too. But this is a moment between you and Jesus. We want to pray specifically for things around the world in terms of um, what we've heard with Afghanistan, but also those that we know that are, are in difficulty and in pain. Let's spend some time just in prayer now.